You're listening to the Breakdown Duo with Deb and T-Wise. They break it down to build you up. Let's join this mother-son duo as they break down tonight's hot topic. All right, what's up, everybody? This is T-Wise. I'm here with my mom, Deb. I'm working on how I'm going to respond. <laughs> hey, everybody. How's it going today? So glad to be here. It's going to yeah. be great. <laughs> oh, we're laughing. It gives me so much grief about what I say. And so I try to be original. And then he gives me that look like, really? That's the best you can do. So, <laughs> Anyways. Well, I'm uh, I'm with you. I'm I'm pretty excited to come to this discussion. I honestly come to this. I don't know where this is going to go or really what to talk about for that matter. Like I've done a little research on this, but um, I don't know. So I guess we'll just see where it goes. Okay. Um, so the topic uh, we gave a little preview from last week that we're going to talk about. Why does the Bible say holy, holy, holy? And it's kind of a multiple part question. Why does it repeat it? Number one, why does it use the word holy and not a different descriptive word? And um, what's the significance? Yeah. So yeah, you kind of you kind of threw that out and let me answer. My answer really wasn't too far off. But um, maybe not specific enough. But okay. so, do you want to start? What research have you found? Why it says holy, holy, holy? Oh, good. I, well, I think there's a couple reasons, but one of the things that it made it really clear any time in scripture, I'll give you an example. It says, um, Rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. Whenever anything is repeated, mm-hmm. it's because they're trying to make make it stick, make a point, or it's super important. So imagine if God's just not holy, they refer to him as holy, holy, holy. So to me, it's like they're emphasizing his nature. And it's because they didn't have exclamation points. Yeah. <laughs> it, well, I don't know. No, it's true. Yeah. It, There's no exclamation points in Hebrew and Greek. Ah, there you go. So that's the way they emphasize. Another place I looked, I thought was really interesting. It said they, this guy thought uh, it definitely was pointing to the Trinity. And I read several things on that. I kind of like that, actually, because, you know, the three in one, he is holy. All parts of him, the spirit, the son. God the Father, holy, holy, holy. So mm-hmm. I thought that was a pretty good connection. What'd you find? Well, um, not just the Trinity, but um, also that, you know, the scripture goes on and it's uh, ultimately talking about the past, the present, and the future. Mm-hmm. And so holy in hebrew is kadash or kadash yeah and i'll probably say it wrong but um the root word actually means to consecrate um 
or dedicated, set apart. Yeah. So you're set apart in the past, the present, and the future. It's holy, holy, holy. I like that. So, uh, and it's like you said, it's also repeated for emphasis. So I really putting the the emphasis on the fact that God is so far set apart and always has been and always will be kind of goes along with the scripture. There is no other God before now or ever will be. Do you think it can be misinterpreted Tyler because you said he's set apart. Do you think that, that people get kind of messed up in their faith because they see God as so set apart that he's not personal, like like the God in heaven, he's way up there and we're way down here and there's no way to get to him. He's so big, so set apart. Do you think that ever trips people up? I think so, but, you know, that's part of the uh, maybe misunderstanding, but also absolute... um, incredible aspect of Christianity that I think separates it from all other faiths out there. And we've talked about this before, but, you know, there's a lot of people that didn't believe in any gods. You know, they're atheist or agnostic, and um, they start doing research out of curiosity. And what there's one guy specific that I saw an interview on, and And he started going to Buddhist temples and mosques and and just asking questions. And what he found in his research and his travels is that every single faith out there, every single religion believed that there was a Jesus Christ. They just viewed him as different, you know, like he's a prophet or he's some guy in history or this or that, right? Really good person. But they all recognized that there was a Jesus Christ. And then he got to Christianity, and it was the only one that said, I am the way, the truth, the life. The only way to the Heavenly Father is through me. And so he came to the conclusion that if everyone recognizes that this figure did exist, but then this is the only faith that says he is the one, then that's got to be the right one, right? Yeah. And I thought it was pretty pretty fascinating that he kind of just used common sense to go through everything. But along with that is a, a lot of people that explore that and learn about different faiths recognize that God is the only one that, yeah, sits on that throne, but is the only one that comes to us and seeks us. That's why the Trinity takes on this huge importance. Because, you know, if if we just focus on God who's set apart and bigger and Mm -hmm. grander, the king of the universe, everything, it is hard to connect. But he, he sent Jesus, first of all, so that we have somebody who understands us and then the holy spirit who is right here with us so 
he just created this amazing way for us to have that deep connection and yet realizing we're not talking to a God made of stone or wood. We are talking to someone who can change everything. Mm-hmm. And it's very personal. And I think the more the more I study, the more personal it becomes. So when I read things like holy, 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 it spiritually speaking, it connects my spirit. It touches my soul. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that's that's God. That's the God that I believe in. That's the God I serve. And so when they, I just, I think it's so interesting you asked that question. So in that phrase, holy, 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 is used two times in the Bible. One in Isaiah and one in Revelation. And correct me if I'm wrong, but in both instances, weren't they... um, Sorry. So in both instances, weren't they visions that were given to people where they they saw heaven and what was going on? That was the vision. Was the vision? Yeah. So they they saw God seated on the throne and the seraphim and the glass, um, the sea of glass and. The angels worshiping, saying, holy, holy, holy. So I think it's fascinating that you kind of have the the Old Testament, you know, like the beginning. Yeah. Revelation, the ending. Yeah. Both with a, a vision and both seeing the same thing. Yeah. The same God, the very same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Yeah. That's really good. The past and the present. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's kind of interesting when you think about scripture and the excuses that we make for not understanding it. In this day and age, it's just it, it's amazing what you can find if you're willing to dig and the, like right now going through the Bible I think it's fascinating because I've been reading week after day after day after day, you know, the Israelites are going to be taken captive in Babylon. They're going to be taken and he gives them a warning and then he gives them an out if you repent and then he gives them a warning and it goes on and on and on. And all of a sudden I wake up one day and I'm reading the scripture where everything that has been prophesied is coming true, everything. And it's in Every detail that Jeremiah prophesied, everything. And I think that is just amazing because we've been reading it for weeks, wondering, you know, it it almost gets tiresome. And then you read in Kings and then in Chronicles and it's just like, okay, what else is going to happen? And then all of a sudden, everything that is prophesied and that's amazing to me. That shows me the greatness that we do serve a holy, 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 holy God. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's remarkable. Yeah. Which, yeah. which, I don't know if you're done talking about this, but when I had to do that podcast on my own, I told everybody I was going to ask your opinion of this. That's okay. Tyler's got a cough. Go ahead and cough. 
his cold, it's better, but still with him. So in that podcast that I did, Tyler, I asked everybody what they thought of the term functioning alcoholic or functioning drug addict. And could that go over into the church? Could there be a functioning Christian? And so I said, maybe when Tyler comes back, we can talk about that. And when we're talking about God being set apart and and all that, people saying, you know, like, I, I can't get close to God. He's too big or he's, I don't know why, but I just wondered your opinion on that. Do you think there is a connection there and there there is uh, a functioning Christian? No. Okay. Because. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mm-hmm. Anytime you put a descriptive word in front of another word, it takes precedent. So if you say uh, I'm a functioning Christian, then that means the functioning aspect of your life, whatever it is, takes precedent over the Christian side. And that's true for anything. So, you know, if you if you say I'm a I'm a conservative Christian or I'm a liberal Christian, well, that means that your conservative or your liberal viewpoints and aspects and everything take precedent over your Christian views. Okay, maybe. So if you're talking about functional, like I maybe I don't understand what you mean by functional. But when I say I recently have met several functioning alcoholics. And I said to them, they call themselves out. What does that mean? And they describe it as they're able to do life, hold down jobs, run a family, but alcohol consumes their life. And they can't function through the day without alcohol. And it is, it is more important than being a dad. It's more important than having a job, but they have enough control that they can still function in those areas. One of the things the guy said, I don't know if you were saying it, but when I asked him, he said, the sad thing is, is literally you're always right on the edge of it not functioning. Mm -hmm. You're about to lose it because you learn to pretend so well. And I just, I stood there and I just thought, how many people, I think might be functioning as Christians, but they're not taking wholeheartedly what is available from a holy, holy God. Yep. They're just taking bits and pieces and and just getting, just functioning. So I stand by what I just said. If you're a functioning Christian, the functioning aspect of your life takes precedent over the Christian aspect. But that's not the question I asked you. I asked you, you think there is that such thing, such a thing? And you said no. No, because I don't... You're saying you can't be a functioning Christian. You can be a Christian that functions. Yes. (laughs) Because if you're a quote-unquote functioning Christian, what that means is that, that everything that is a priority in your life, your work, your family your fun, your sin, whatever, 
that takes precedent over the Christian aspect. And you even said functioning alcoholics say they're right on the edge of not being functional anymore and becoming just a a full-fledged alcoholic that can't function. Well, they are full-fledged alcoholics. They just... That can't function. Yeah. Right? So in Christianity, we have a tendency to call that a lukewarm Christian. It's it's someone that wants to call themselves a Christian, but doesn't want to actually die to themselves to live the Christian life. So that would be a, as you're putting it, a functional Christian is, it's basically, I don't want to die to self. I want to keep doing what I want to do and still on the back end, call myself a Christian because I still believe in God. Oh, yeah. And okay. And here's the alarming part. When you listen to our new friend and and how they describe it and how they have found such freedom in giving up completely uh, alcohol and putting God totally first. Mm-hmm. They had to come to a major crisis time. All of them say the same thing. Like most of them say things like I hit rock bottom and I lost everything. That's what helped me turn my life around. And then I got my priorities changed. I wonder if we are living in an age where in the church, we've become such a, we're leaning more towards, it feels like some churches are leaning more towards just being a social gathering place, a place to hang out, a a Mm -hmm. place to have some friendships, but not necessarily a place where God's holiness is preached because to me you preach a holy god who says be holy as i am holy that's a standard that kind of wipes out somebody who is just functioning it like you you have to self-examine and get get past that Mm -hmm. and i don't really know that we're doing a very good job anymore of encouraging each other to walk and that kind of faith and that kind of freedom, we're just kind of all this. It just feels like we're just so apathetic. Not that I don't see people around me that are just passionate. I just wish there were more. I don't know. Maybe what do you see or what do you think? Yeah. No, I, I, I heard a pastor the other day say, you know, for, people that sin um and he was talking about one group specifically but he said the tendency is that they're they're either hated or they're tolerated and they're accepted and he said as christians we do neither and he said let me explain Hmm. if you're living in sin and as a Christian we don't hate you we're called love but we also don't tolerate and accept your your behavior because the Bible also says that we're there to show you the right way and live by the word of God so that means telling your brother hey you got to stop this this isn't right yeah. Right. 
to to hold them accountable. So um, I think what's happening in the world today is that the church is not doing that. It's not holding each other accountable. It's trying to live in acceptance and tolerance Mm -hmm. because they think that that is what will bring people to know God, not realizing and and forgetting that God is holy, holy, holy. And far more capable of doing anything than we can do. And our job is not to bring people to God. It's to live a life in accordance so that people see us and say, I want that. And I think that goes back to what I was saying earlier. I think we have a misunderstanding of what it means to become a Christian. And when you can understand that God died for our sins. But that also means in turn to accept that we have to die to ourselves. Then we fully understand that, okay, if he was willing to give up everything for us, then we have to be willing to give up everything for him. Yeah. And <clears throat> that's the breakdown. Yeah, we don't like words like submit mm-hmm. or surrender. Or give up. We we yeah. like the words like fight, be a warrior, be a conqueror. Yeah, which can be part of it, but only when you're spirit filled and right. driven. But I mean, we're we're getting to know, you know, these people that are are addicts and they're struggling with drugs and alcohol and all these things, and and the common theme is that when they realize that there's no way they can do it without help and they both surrender and say okay i'm gonna quit trying to do it on my own and i'm gonna cry out to you guys i need assistance i need help i, I need support then and only then are they able to change and, and take the right steps yeah so as christians we need to be willing to do the same thing and and we need to to deep dive into that and study it and learn it because as long as we keep holding on to our old selves and the ways of the world and, you know, well, I don't want to be hated by this group and, and I want these people to like me. Yeah. Like, it's not about that. Yeah. And, and I've said all the time, the only person whose opinion matters to me is God's and God's alone. Yeah. Because he's well, the only inter- judge. It's interesting because... The church used to be, I wasn't, I didn't really grow up in it, but I've heard the stories where the church used to be very confronted, very judgmental, very um, legalistic. And we've gone so far the other way. It's been really refreshing to be, to be part of this uh, church where the addicts are going and getting help and because they call each other out, you know, it, it. if somebody will say, well, no, I, you know, I didn't do that. Oh, that is such baloney. You know, I mean, they, they speak much stronger than that, but they call each other out until they're like, yes, okay. Yes, I did. And, and they hold each other accountable and then they celebrate every, everything they do. They praise God for it and they celebrate it together. And it's just been refreshing because I really think that's what I want to see in the church. And there mm-hmm. are churches out there that are doing that. There are, but I want to be, I want more and more of that in our churches where we 
are not afraid to come in and say, I am struggling with alcohol. And everybody doesn't go, oh my goodness. Everybody goes, okay, we're here. Yeah. How can we help? We want to come alongside. We want to support you. And I, I talked to a friend this week and she actually said to me, I'm two weeks sober, two weeks. And I said, that's great. Do you think you can continue doing it on your own? And it was so interesting because she just stopped and looked at me and she goes, I hope so. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you if she would get in a place where people would come alongside, she make it. Mm-hmm. And to me, you know, we when we share our faith with somebody and they receive Christ, we need to disciple and stay right with them and help them mature and grow. And maybe that's what we keep trying to do in this podcast. Just encourage people to keep on keeping on. Don't give up. Don't give in. Nope. Because God is holy, holy, holy. Yeah. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Amen. Yeah. All right. Well, hopefully that helps somebody. It helped me. It helped me get my focus right. Good. A little bit of a... I don't... I... My tendency is to say that's a soapbox, but I don't think that's the right word for it. It's it's a it's a passion for the people of the church of the body of Christ to come together and actually speak up and be strong and be courageous and stand for what is right. Yeah. So. Yeah. Um, I don't think stand on truth. Yeah. The word of God. All right. Well, I think that's enough for this week. Um, Thanks, everybody, for joining us again, and we'll see you next time. Thank you for joining this broadcast with the breakdown duo of Deb and T-Wise. Share this podcast with someone it might help and hit subscribe. See you next week as the duo breaks it down to build you up.